everyone. Before we jump into the episode, we'd like to say that sharing is caring. We share a lot of ourselves with you, so we're hoping that you'd share us with some of your friends. <laughs> There's plenty of us to go around. It's super easy. Here's what we'd like you to do. Reach out to at least five of your friends and tell them to give us a listen. It's as easy as visiting glitterandbegay.buzzsprout.com. Or if they have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Pandora on their phone, simply search for Glitter and Be Gay in the search bar, and then find us under Podcasts in the search results. Let's all spread laughter, joy, and help more people glitter and be gay. Hi, everybody. This is Robbie from Glitter and Be Gay. Thanks so much for listening to our first episode ever. Amy and I are fully aware that these first few episodes are rough. We talk too fast at first, and our theme song was created on GarageBand. But with all of that in mind, enjoy. It's glitter and be gay. Take two. <laughs> this time we're actually using the microphone. Hi, everybody. Hi there. Welcome to Glitter and Be Gay. This is a podcast about the world through the perspective of a gay guy and a gal. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't need a gay and a gal in their life? Like, I don't know what I would do without my gays. And I feel like every gay man needs the perspective of a straight woman. Yeah, and like I couldn't find a woman, so I got Amy. The closest thing you could find. <laughs> so that's yeah. Amy Cannon. Hi there, that's Robbie Iker. And we are here to tell you all about life and talk and bullshit and be the dumbass bitches we are. Yeah, and you know what? Say things that everybody's thinking, but they never say. That shit gets on my nerves so bad. Like, I feel like I'm always the one who just says it, and everyone's like, oh my god, I can't believe you just said that. I'm like, bitch, you thought it. You, oh, they definitely I'm thought always. it. They're like, oh, I'm here for that. And I was like, I got <laughs> you I got you um so we're gonna talk you about talk you about we're gonna talk you about Robbie obviously needs to get hooked on phonics I, I, have, I have these things called casual strokes and you'll hear them where I stutter and say words wrong the funny thing is I'm a writer for a living and yet I can't speak so that's fun um we're gonna t- tell you a little about how we met and who we are because you're probably like who are these two assholes right in my ear right, right. Now. and we really want you to feel like invested in us and like you know us and we're your best yeah. friends and you're so. gonna like us because everybody likes us obviously and if people don't like me that's a whole thing I have to talk to my therapist about. Yeah, that's a whole nother episode, actually. I need people to like me. Right, right. Um, so Amy, tell, tell us, so we're both in New York, just so you know, we're actually sitting in Long Island right now in Amy's yes, house. in my living room with this bougie-ass microphone that, that she I got have. for Christmas. Yeah. It looks like a big black dick. It absolutely looks like the biggest dick you've ever seen. It's oh. so chunky. It doesn't look like the biggest dick I've ever seen. <laughs> We've definitely seen bigger dicks than this. But um, it is like staring us in the face. Yeah, which is like, I'm, I'm like, am I getting semi? I don't, I don't. I could be. Um, so, Amy, tell us how you got to New York. And okay, why you're so here. I grew up in a very small town called Madison, Pennsylvania. We had one blinking light. We still have to go to a post office to get our mail. Like, when I say this is rural PA, like, there was nothing around. Grew up there, did a lot of theater, um, very much involved in the arts. Ended up going to college in downtown Pittsburgh for theater. From there, moved to New York. Wanted to be a big Broadway star like everybody else. That didn't fucking pan out. So, you know, so here I am in Long Island. Um, I'm actually a writer, a producer, 
uh, director, choreographer, I kind of moved to the other side of the table, which to be honest with you, it's where I feel that I belong better. I do love the stage, but I do like being on the other side of things. And I love what I do for a living. We obviously do the same thing. And I just don't know um, what else I would be doing if I wasn't doing writing and producing and stuff like that. So now I live in Long Island with my two kids and work with you, asshole, every yeah. day. Yeah. That's fun. So I'm actually from about 20 minutes, maybe 20, 30 minutes from where you grew up. Not even. One of your teachers was my aunt. Yes. So like, this is like all so crazy. We never met though. Never met. Mm -mm. But um, I grew up in a small town called Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Not as small as Madison. Yeah. You at Um, least had like more blinking lights. Yeah. We had a couple lights. (laughs) Yeah. I had more cows. (laughs) We had a couple lights and a sheets. Um, And so if you've never been to sheets. Yeah. You go to sheets to take a sheet. (laughs) You you eat sheets and you got a sheet. Um, I grew up there really into theater. Um, and I decided to go to college to also be a Broadway star. Went to NYU here in the city. Um, it was great. And I had a blast. My twenties were a blur of just drinking and debauchery. (laughs) And then one day I went into audition for this company that Amy worked at and she taught the audition dance to on Broadway. And I was like, who is this little five foot bundle of craziness? (laughs) And, um, performed with them for a while. In my skin tight dance pants and my capizios. I was like, she must have wanted to come here to Broadway star. Looks like that didn't fucking pan out though. No, it absolutely did not. Here I I am. <laughs> and so um, we were, I was a performer and she was a writer, producer and director for the company. And then she actually went on maternity leave with mm-hmm. her first child and they called me and were like, Robbie, will you come in and help us a couple days a week and, uh, to pick up some of Amy's slack? And I was like, sure. Maternity uh, support. I need the money. So yeah. I, I came yeah. in and met Amy a lot and the other people at the company and then I just never went away. Also, people from Pennsylvania, it's like we are, like we always want to stick with our own kind. Like if you, <laughs> if I, if I knew Robbie was from PA, so like I always pushed to have him in the company just because I felt like he was, had, you know, that hometown pride that I also had. So. Yeah, we get each other. We're very blue collar. Yeah, very, you know, definitely. work, work, work. Grew Actually, up on coupons and generic brands. I can and, pinch a penny. Absolutely. Oh, I can make it happen for mm-hmm. pretty much free. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how we're doing this podcast yeah, with pretty much. no money. <laughs> pretty much. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so now we work together and we have the same job mm-hmm. uh, and we're kind of seen as the two assholes in the company, but mm-hmm. everyone wants to hang out with us, which I think is fun, mm-hmm. but that's just because we're crazy. Absolutely. Um, but the best thing we learned, so um, over the last few years, Amy went through a divorce and I went through a broken engagement. Mm-hmm. So we kind of really even connect even deeper on that level and about how much we hate everything in the world. Yeah, like I, I remember going and hiding in the office, and I would have these like, as my mother calls them, crying jags, and <laughs> and Robbie would always hear me in like the other office, and he would always kind of protect me. Everybody would be like, "Where's Amy? Oh, you know, she had to go for a walk. She needed some air." I Meanwhile, well, I'm laying on the floor of the HR office while he wasn't there. I, <laughs> I don't do well with public displays of emotion. Not at and all. Amy Not was all. bawling like she had like. I, I like lost both of her children. I like they were lost in the mall, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "There, there, there, yeah. there!" Patting her on the back. He would put his arm around me and then crack and, an inappropriate and, yeah, joke. Exactly. I can't be like I'm not a good person to be like. It's okay. You're like. Mm-hmm. I said, "I'm like, listen, bitch. You're yeah. fine. Get the yeah, fuck get off the over floor. It. Get over it. Everything's gonna be fine." You've meanwhile, got to write a show. Meanwhile, fast forward about three years, Robbie's engagement falls through. He comes in the office. Ah, I hate my life. My engagement's over. Who's ever gonna love me? Yeah. You know what it was? First of all, no one loves me. Second of all, 
second of all, it was right before the engagement fell apart. We were doing our walks around the block where Amy and I would take a walk around the block and I would chain smoke. We would call it a lap. A la- do a lap, but it turned into five laps. Um, it was the only lap. And we I was telling her point. what was going on in a relationship. She was like, I'm just going to say this is exactly what happened to me. So be prepared. And I was like, Amy, you're so wrong. This will ne- never end. Cut to. Uh, yeah. And she's like, yeah. tell it yourself. <laughs> yeah. So we have like these very parallel lives, but we have very different lives at the same time. I think yeah. that's what makes us so unique is everyone thinks we're so much alike, but we do have very different lives um, outside of work yeah. and our crazy Well, Amy, Amy lives here in Long Island in a beautiful home with a lovely backyard, two adorable kids. She also has a photography business on the side, run out of here. Um, it's very like a home and, and, and comfortable. I live in the middle of Manhattan in Hell's Kitchen in a bedroom, an apartment with like roommates who are in and out all the time, a bunch mm-hmm. of gays. So mm-hmm. it's just a very different lifestyle. But you the also same live time. on like Fat Boy Boulevard. Like you, you <laughs> is that because I live there? Is that what you're you saying? You literally live by Chick Fil A, Wendy's. I believe there's a Taco Bell Cantina uh-huh. near McDonald's. you. McDonald's, a McDonald's, Chipotle, like, and they're about to open a Popeyes. Oh my god! The only thing hear, that needs is a White Castle. Do you want to hear about my, my fat ass? Yeah. We were sitting there and I was like, what are they putting in that storefront across the street? And I can see it on my front window. So I can see through the window to the menu they had put up and I knew it was Popeye's just from the that's menu. That's disgusting. Shut up. You love Popeye's. <laughs> no, too. I don't. I love White Castle. Oh, that's true. You do love White Castle because you couldn't be more basic. Um, anyway, that's how we met. So now you're going to hear a little more about what we have to say. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. Um, <laughs> so now we're going to talk about a new segment that we call Memory Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I think, Amy, we should talk about growing up in the 80s and early 90s and how life was just a little different back then when you wanted to have fun as a kid. Right, and it's so eye-opening because the technology that these kids have today, like even my kids with the phones, the Xbox, like it's so different than when we grew up. And if you're our age, you know exactly what we're talking about. Like to find out anything, you had to go to that busted-ass Encyclopedia Britannica, which my parents wouldn't even buy. They were like, you can borrow your friends or you can go to the library because we couldn't afford it. Like we couldn't afford anything. So we, you know, for fun, I remember painting rocks. Like I, but I was such, um, like I was such an entrepreneur, even when I was younger that I would paint the rocks, but then I would try to sell them. I would literally go door to door and be like, would you like to buy a painted rock? And people would buy that shit. I think they just felt bad. Yeah. They were like, like, oh, so poor. Yeah. But I was like, (laughs) I always thought about how I could make money. I'm still that way. Like I'm very driven when it comes to making money. And I do feel like my childhood definitely helped with that because we really had to use our creativity mm-hmm. in ways that like these kids will never understand. They're, right. they're so lucky, but not lucky at the same time. Yeah. I had, so I have like, I have a very wild imagination and as a child I had like no fear of ever being like shamed or anything. I was very like free to do whatever. I had a wiffle ball bat. Um, <laughs> Do you remember Wiffle Ball? He's also from Pittsburgh, so he said Wiffle. Wiffle oh, you just got, got a Wiffle Ball bat. You got a Wiffle Ball bat. You get down there and hit them balls. So 
we buy the football back because, of course, my dad's like the baseball coach of like my team and everything. So it's so well, butch. I know. So I take the bat and I take it outside. And I use it as anything but a bat. So sometimes it was a sword. Sometimes it was this. Sometimes it was a color guard flag. I was gonna say a baton. It was a baton. Oh, definitely a baton. I mean, outside, like playing Star Wars in my backyard for hours by myself. Right, but that's, that's what you just myself. said by yourself. These kids don't know how to do anything by themselves. They're like, if you tell them, like, take away their devices, it's like they start tripping out. They don't yeah. know what to do with themselves. Well, if someone would have taken away my wiffle ball bat, oh well, that's true. Too. But like, anytime you said to your parents, "I'm bored," they'd be like, "I don't care. Go outside, find something to do." My mother, you're not bored. Oh, no, no, it was. I would say, "Mom, I'm hungry," and she'd go, "You're not hungry. You're, you're bored. bored." Or eat a piece of fruit. Eat a piece of, of fruit. fruit. Like cantaloupe. You know? I, Have an apple. I'm like, Fuck apples. I'm starving. And she's like, she's like, you're not hungry. You're bored. Which also meant I did not spend $75 on the groceries this week for you to be eating them all day. <laughs> They have to last until oh, next Friday. Oh, during the summer we were home alone because we were latchkey kids, so we were just left in the house. As children of course, of course. Time. She was like, "Don't sit here all day and eat yourself into oblivion." <laughs> just a, a different time. We would but literally. I would just go outside and be crazy. But we also had bikes. I think bikes were our way to escape life. I don't know what I would have done without my bike, and I would ride it by myself. For hours. Like, I could have been dead in a ditch and my parents would have never known. I would go, like, deep into the woods, right. too. Like, oh, yeah. I would disappear for hours just on my bike. Oh, my bike was so amazing, too. It had, like, that amazing blue banana seat. Ooh. And it had the handlebars with, like, the streamers coming out of the side. It was yeah. so beautiful. I think everyone remembers their first bike. Santa Claus you know, brought it for me. Yeah, Santa mm-hmm. Claus always brought that bike. Oh, and it was it exciting. Was, it was amazing. I got a Huffy. Oh. And anyone who's listening who's, like, late, an, an old millennial or young, like, Gen X, you know what, what Huffy, Huffy was everything. Mm-hmm. It was a Toys mm-hmm. R Us, and you'd see the Huffies. And you'd be like, oh, I hope I don't get that shitty bike on the lower The rich rack. kids. The rich, rich kids, kids had, had Huffy. I got a Huffy. I don't know how my parents got it, but it oh. was, like, it was blue. And it had that, um, that padding on the bar, so if you fell off the seat and rammed your little <laughs> dick into it, you could still have children when you were older. <laughs> Could you imagine that like ruins my life? How did I'm impotent because I fell on my huffy. Um, but yeah, we'd ride, we'd ride all over the neighborhood. We would ride down to the playground, and at the playground there was like the sewer drain, and we would go in it. Oh, so I was like a teenage mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> and it was every town had like the sewer drain story that some kid went in there and never stuck. came out. Yeah, and he's got still stuck, living never in there. Never came out. Yeah, he's still living in there. He haunts the town. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you know, you always had those stories, but we were friends with all the kids in our neighborhood. Yeah. Because you didn't know anybody else. Well, you weren't allowed to go beyond like four block radius. No. And so my best friend in the neighborhood growing up, their family owned the funeral home. So for fun, we would play hide and go seek in the funeral home. So like we would hide in like the casket. Like he had a room where he displayed all these caskets. We would hide in there. We would hide in the embalming room. Like this never seemed weird to me. Like, what the fuck? I tell people this now. I'm like, oh, yeah, I hung out in a funeral home. They're like, that's really dark. So, I'm like, and I live next to a cemetery. They're like, okay. So like, if you had a if you had a relative buried in Madison, Pennsylvania in the late 80s, early 90s, your relative probably shared a casket with Amy at some point. Oh, I'm sure. Like, it was so disturbing. And the funny thing was her dad, like, we, I remember on the lawn of the funeral home, we would always, like, play our boom box. And it was this purple, um, it was a purple double 
double cassette player and we would play Brian Adams summer of 69 and we would do like gymnastics in the like on the lawn of the funeral home and her dad would always come out and go lower that I got a body and we'd be like they can't hear they're dead like we were (laughs) such little assholes but I mean that's where I spent most of my childhood was in the funeral home because they lived in the apartment above it so that's that was basically my whole childhood was in a funeral home on a bike and sled riding into like down a field that went into like uh, somewhere where you would definitely die. Yeah. The fact that I'm still alive when I would sled ride in Pennsylvania. But no one, incredible. no one freaked out. Like when a kid flew off something, no, I, there fine. was the great, there was the great bicycle crash of like 1992 when I was mm. a kid, where at the bottom. <laughs> Back outside of my house was was an alley that went down. Honestly, I'm and still kids, picturing you riding a bicycle. I, I have to be honest. It's like, not a pretty sight. If you know Robbie, like I really want you to close your eyes and visualize him on a Huffy right now. Because that, that alone is It's as awkward as when Kermit the Frog rides that bike in the Muppet movie. You're like, how is this happening? Um, I don't have a center of gravity. Um, I do kind of act like P.B. Herman, so it's kind of insane. But anyway, all the kids would fly down this alley, and at the bottom, it, like, rounded up. But you had to stop, or you'd go into traffic. Well, and it was always gravel. Yeah, it was gravel. Every road growing up was always gravel. Rocks everywhere. Yeah. Rocks, and if you fell off, you so fell into a jagger bush. And helmet? Like, what is a no, helmet? No, there was no such thing as a helmet. No helmets, no wrist guards, knee pads, nothing. We had nothing. Well, at the bottom of the alley... I got into a wreck with someone, and then my sister's coming and her friends, and it was a mangled, like, <laughs> I, it was a disaster. It looked like, it looked, you know, like FEMA had to get called in. Yeah. Kids were bleeding. I was crying. My sister was mad at me for some reason. She of was course. always fucking mad at me, my older sister. And all I remember is, like, after that point, it was like, all right, we can't fly down the alley anymore. It was the first time parents were ever like, all right, you guys got to be a little safer. Yeah. Because, you know, we were But even the concern up. level back then, it was like a 15%. No. Wash your knees off. That was yeah, like what you're you're fine. You wash your knees. Is anybody bleeding? You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, simpler times. Today's topic is politics, my favorite. (laughs) Now, let me just uh, open this segment by saying there are two types of news I watch. Entertainment news, so E, or the Today Show. That is about the extent of the news that I watch and the amount of politics that I get involved in. Robbie here, on the other hand, a little different. If you know him... Many people have said he should run for office. So when it comes to politics, we are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, yeah, I, I get really into it. It's 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 kind of an obsession at times. Didn't you work for that wiener dude at one point? <laughs> that could be a you could mean a lot of things by me and, work, working yeah. for a wiener was <laughs> Yeah, but didn't you work for No, I worked on Anthony Wiener's oh, mayoral right. campaign yes, in New York yes. City. So it was post when he showed his dick the first time. Okay. And I was like, you know what? Everyone makes a mistake. And if I had a nickel for every time I showed my dick, right. I and wouldn't have to have a job. Everyone deserves a second chance. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So then we're doing the campaign, and he whips his dick out again. Not like in the office, like online. Okay. Under his pseudonym, Carlos Danger. If you remember this shit. Carlos Danger? Yeah, it was oh. Anyway, it was really upsetting, because I quit the campaign, because I was like, dude, like, keep your dick in your pants. Also, Seriously. His wife, Huma, was so gorgeous and like so put together. I was like, I was like, why are you doing this? Attention. But, you know, attention. Attention. <laughs> what do you eat? Attention. Full. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I worked on political campaigns. I'm also volunteering for a new campaign right now, but I'm not going to get into that yet until, you know, I make sure he doesn't whip his dick out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so politics. But we were just talking. 
So uh, when we're recording this, the time of recording, on Wednesday, Joe Biden gets inaugurated mm-hmm. as the next president of the United States. And I just feel like right now I'm on so much anxiety just mm-hmm. because it's so close and I don't know what's going to happen because of what happened at Capitol Hill on the 6th. Right, absolutely. And, and I've said things. that before. Like, I, there's some crazy people out there. Yeah. He can end up getting shot, yeah. his wife. Like, th- it's this very is some scary. scary shit. It's yeah. scary and because it's real and because we've mm-hmm. seen it coming for so long mm-hmm. and it's reached a fever pitch. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like... For me, and I, we'll be dead honest, Amy and I are both liberals, mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. Democrats, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm pretty middle of the road. And, can see and both I always sides. try to see both yeah. sides. Like, I really do, and I don't ever post about politics on any of my social media handles because I just really don't want to go there. I try to stay very quiet when it comes to my views about politics, but I... I do support Joe Biden. Yeah, exactly. Well, Joe Biden's a good guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether you believe in his politics or not. I mean, what he he's looks old through, as fuck. I'm not going to lie. He is old as fuck. He oh. looks like he's about a week away from death, but he seems like a really I thought nice he was gentleman. hosting Tales of the, Tales of the Crypt. <laughs> I was like, oh. I actually think I saw him in the funeral home yeah. when I was like, growing up. <laughs> I, I actually think I saw him. But um, yeah, yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's, got yeah. a, he's been around for a while. Yeah. You know, he's a good man, takes care of his family. He's yeah, been through you know, a lot. Been through mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but I just feel like the last four years have been just a low-level anxiety all the time. I feel like it's been a reality TV show. Yes. I feel like every time, and I said this to my boyfriend, I said, it's going to be weird when Trump's not in office anymore because I, it feels like a reality television show will have, will have stopped airing. Yeah. Because every time I turned it on, I was like, oh my God, what is he going to say today? What is going to happen today? I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but it's like your anxiety would automatically go up every time you turned on the TV and he started talking because you were like, please don't say anything offensive. Please don't say anything that's inappropriate. And he always did. Oh, always. He, it was the bombasticness and just the constant lying and stretching of the truth. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was amazing to watch. And I think what's most interesting was to see the people, um, I'm not just saying Republicans, I'm saying the far right who like Mm -hmm. idolize him as a cult leader in Mm -hmm. a way. It's, Mm -hmm. he can do no wrong. If you, first of all, at home, if you believe there is anyone in your life who can do no wrong, that person does a lot of wrong. I don't uh, thousand think percent. there's a person. No, there's nobody that, I mean, that's crazy for me to even think, but you're right. People totally idolize him and they, they follow him. They do whatever he says. And I think what happened at the Capitol this uh, last week is the perfect example mm-hmm. of that, that they really felt like they were in the right by going in there and doing the damage that they did because they really felt like he told them to do that. And they love their country so much that they'll die and do anything for it. They love their country. But I also think the biggest thing was that he gave a voice to people who for many years we've suppressed what they had to say because it was racist mm-hmm. and it was white supremacist style. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, we all have moments. Everyone's a little bit racist is a great song that talks about how everyone has a racist thought from now and then. Mm-hmm, but we, mm-hmm. most of us know, hey, I shouldn't think like that. That was just me being angry in ways I was brought up. And or and like, the ways you were brought mm-hmm. up. I think it, and coming from a very small town mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, it was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Everybody was white. Um, so it was definitely eye-opening to me when I started going to college in downtown Pittsburgh and I started to meet... Lots of different people, lots of different ethnic backgrounds, lots of different colors, um, gay guys. Like, I had really, it was very eye opening to me. You knew gay guys in high school. You just didn't That's know true. you they knew did. gay guys yeah, in high school. Was, yeah, exactly. But if you're like me and you grow up, you grew up in this environment that was like very narrow, like it, 
it's a tough thing to, you know, go into a different type of world where you see a lot of different types of people and not revert back to where your comfort zone was when you were a kid. And as you see these people who are different from you getting ahead and getting better in their life, for some reason you start to feel it diminishes your story and your journey. Right. And I think that made these people angry. And Trump comes along and says the thing out loud that you're not supposed to say that they've always thought. Mm -hmm. And they're finally, finally someone gets me. Mm -hmm. But someone gets the part of you that no one should get. Like, I'm all about Republican policies. I understand you want small government. I understand guns. I understand all of these things, mm-hmm. whether I agree with them or not. Mm-hmm. But I understand where you're coming from. I will never get on board with whites are better than anybody. Because, listen, right. I know a lot of white people and they ain't that great. Uh-huh. Um, I will not get along with that immigrants are coming to this country and killing us. I, I, won't, I just won't get along with those they aren't, they're not facts. Right. Um, I can believe in a lot of things and understand your point of view, but we will never agree on Nazis and we'll never agree on the Ku Klux Klan. Right. Like two things are mm-hmm. like, I mean, could you imagine? That's what's non-negotiable for me. <laughs> Everything else is on the table. You go on a date with someone, you're like, you a couple sh- things I just want to put out on the table. Like I'll never be you're on board with the you're Ku Klux Klan. You're into scat, that's fine, but don't be a Nazi. <laughs> You can shit on my face, but don't be a say, Nazi. I was going to say, you can pee on me, but don't you dare be a Nazi. <laughs> but you better not be wearing a white hood while you do it. Okay? <laughs> that That's a deal breaker. <laughs> you are disgusting. You know, I like to be choked a little, but you better like not be it- mad at Jews. <laughs> like, there's, there's rules there. <laughs> so anyway, the last four years have been that. Um, and I just think it'll be, I don't know, a sigh of relief. I I just want politics to be boring again. I want to be the only person talking about it. Like I was for eight years with Obama. And I was like, the only person who come and be like, do you see what happened? And then people are like, no, no. I don't. I was watching Housewives. Like, I completely I wanted agree. to kind of go back to that. Entertainment television. And it was like entertainment people television. People are like, well, the news blow it out of proportion. I was like, but there's a news story every hour. Well, and weren't we just talking about the fact that CNN, you can't even watch CNN anymore because it's just about politics. Like, they can't talk about anything else. It's politics it, or COVID. That's it. I'm COVID so sick of so both. intertwined with politics. I'm so sick of both of them. And then you flip back from Fox, CNN, Fox to CNN. And it's like, they're both saying uh, contradictory information. It's like, you can't even watch them. It no. becomes a comedy hour. It I, really I read the news now. It's like my new thing. I, I just ask you. Yeah, you ask me. I, I have to look at 57 different sources. Also, the people who like read a headline and then think they know what the story is drives right. me insane too. So I'm going to tell you at home, if you read a, a headline on, let's say, Facebook or Twitter or wherever, I encourage you to click on the article and actually read the entire thing mm-hmm. because usually what the headline says is the most bombastic version of that story. Mm-hmm. COVID was a great example of this. Yeah. One person got one side effect and it was like, new side effect, we're all going to lose our faces yeah, from it- COVID. <laughs> I was like, okay, that was like one person in Alaska, they probably ate their face after doing bath salts. Like, yeah. <laughs> calm down. Everything's just so out of control. But I really think and I'm hoping and I'm praying that come Wednesday... Biden does his first 100 days, which are going to be very intense as with any mm-hmm. new presidency. Mm-hmm. So I hope he doesn't have a try, stroke. Gonna, I, really, I hope I he hope has he a stroke of genius. I hope he doesn't, I hope he doesn't die. Yeah. Like, literally, well, the stress. Because I don't you remember when Obama started as president? He, he looked like, you know, his age. And then by the time... Four years was up. He had gray hair. I was like, that has got to be the most stressful job. It I is. had like my job. It is, unless you're Donald Trump, who hasn't aged a day since he's been in office, which means he's not doing the job. Right, but his spray tans. He has time to spray tan. We, I know. You must have that Planet Fitness, like, good membership where you get the free tanning. Mm-hmm. I, he, honestly, the spray tan. I know. Seriously. I, him, and then Rudy Giuliani also looks insane now. Like, when did he go from America's mayor to, like, Batman villain? When did he go from being um, America's mayor to being 
in a hotel room with some, I don't <laughs> even Borat. know. Like, on Borat. I know. I was like, <laughs> what is this? I had to ask you if it was real. Yeah. Would you remember when he was like leaking? Or when he's doing a press <laughs> conference and his like makeup was leaking? I was like, what? I thought you meant his ass was leaking. Oh, I don't I was know. Like, I haven't what? been there. I was like, Again, I told you I don't sleep with people who are white supremacists. It's the deal breaker. <laughs> and he was leaking. And I was like, you. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say something really inappropriate, but I cut myself off. And I'm probably going to do that. If I ever say something too inappropriate, we have to have a hand signal so I remember to edit it okay. out of the podcast. Okay. I, uh, Sorry, Anne. That's Robbie's mother. <laughs> oh, my mom. We should have a whole segment about Anne. We won't let her listen to that one. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and like and download and tell your friends. This is Amy Cannon. And this is Robbie Iker reminding you to glitter and be gay. gay.